A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to Timothy. Beloved, first of all, I ask that supplications, prayers, petitions, and thanksgivings be offered for everyone, for kings, and for all in authority, that we may lead a quiet and tranquil life in all devotion and dignity. This is good and pleasing to God our Savior, who wills everyone to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. For there is one God. There is also one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as ransom for all. This was the testimony at the proper time. For this I was appointed preacher and apostle. I am speaking the truth, I am not lying. Teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. It is my wish, then, that in every place the men should pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or argument. The Word of the Lord. This morning, those of us who attended Mass at St. Pius Church were privileged to see three babies be baptized. Their parents and godparents and the entire assembly were so joyful and so happy that it was really wonderful to be a part of it. And as I was watching, I began to wonder in my mind, you know, what these babies are thinking is going on as this strange man starts dunking them in water. Uh, I doubt they were thinking about how they were being cleansed from original sin, empowered by the Holy Spirit, becoming adopted sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. Even so, that is what was happening, and we were all there to celebrate with them. I began to meditate on the rite of baptism as Mass continued, and I couldn't help but be struck at how intimate a thing baptism is between God and the person being baptized, whether a baby or an adult coming in at the Easter Vigil. But it also struck me that baptism is not only that intimate moment between God and the baptized person. It's an empowering and a call to be part of a family. You're a baptized son and daughter of God, so you can be part of a family with God, especially the Trinity, but also our community. We in our house here are Dominicans. We're religious men, and as religious, we are always talking about living our baptism out more fully through our vows. We talk about it, and I know and think we believe it, but what does it actually mean to live out a baptism? I would argue that today's section of St. Paul's letter to Timothy is a spiritual school of baptism, if we listen to it. Firstly, this letter is a personal letter. It's not an ecclesial letter. It's not to a church or a group of churches. It's to Timothy. It's an affectionate letter to a friend. But the purpose of the letter is clearly that the ramifications of what Timothy takes in will go out and affect the churches. This is like baptism. 
to do this, to impress upon Timothy what he wishes, Paul starts and ends with prayer. Paul tells Timothy to pray for leaders and authorities so that we might be free to live quiet, peaceful lives with devotion and with dignity. The English here is misleading, and though I'm not a Greek scholar, so please, hopefully you won't suffer too much through my pronunciations of the Greek later to come, these words here, the word devotion, is not speaking about mercy chaplets and venerating relics, although both of these are wonderful things. Rather, this word is describing a whole life lived for God and for neighbor. And the word dignity here connotes a profound humility, somewhere between total subservience and outrageous arrogance, but that perfect place in between. So this isn't just the ordinary idea of just living a tranquil life so that you can you know, go to church with your family and come home and have a nice, quiet meal together. And it's not that kind of dignity. This is radical self-gift in, in the extreme. And so the steps that Paul gives us are four. Paul tells us that we ought to engage in supplication, prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. And here's where I'll get into the messy Greek that I can't pronounce. But those first three sound an awful lot alike in English. Supplication, prayer, and petition. Asking, asking, and asking is what it sounds like to me when I first look at it. But when I look at the Greek, it's so much more than that. It's like stair steps of prayer. The first one is deesis, a request for something that anyone could provide, God or man, something you need, food, shelter. You can think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs if you want. Your basic human needs can be met through deesis, asking. But prayer, the word for prayer in the Greek is prosiuche. Prosiuche is a request that only God can provide for. This is a request for grace, a, a request for conversion, for salvation. It's very different. And finally, the word for petition, antioxis, to enter into a private audience with a monarch. But even older than that, to have a very intimate interaction with a friend. Deisis prosiuche and entuxis, not asking, 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 but our human needs are identified. Those spiritual needs that only God can provide for are asked for, and then finally, we long to enter into a relationship with him. And of course, the fourth, Thanksgiving, and I think we all know what that Greek will be, Eucharistia. So with Paul, we've ascended by steps from our human desires to the desire for God alone, and then finally to that profound thanksgiving. I want to stop for a moment with the word Eucharist because we could take it for granted, but I think that if we're looking at this scriptural passage with our tradition, with the eyes of our tradition, it's not a jump to say that God knew that we would understand this passage not only in the sense of a profound gratitude, but to also imagine coming here in the assembly for Mass. I like to see this as Paul drawing us from our human desires to that final happiness with Jesus Christ at the wedding feast here in a community, here in a family. This is the goal of baptism. 
Paul has given us a life of prayer and contemplation that leads to action. This is profoundly Dominican, and I think this is why our order has entrusted to us the task of committing at least half an hour every day to mental prayer, to that prayer where we enter into that room with the king and we speak with him in relationship, because that's what's going to lead us to this Eucharistic love, this Eucharistic thanksgiving, to that family that baptism's for. This is an integral part of prayer, brothers, is meditation, because our daily meditation is what couches our resolutions. Our tradition tells us that every meditation needs to have a resolution. And so if Paul is giving us these steps of prayer that lead us in meditation every day, that lead us to recognizing our needs and the needs of our brothers and the needs of our church, we also have to have concrete resolutions. I can't just go say, God, I really commit today to growing in patience and then not come up with any way that I'm going to do that. I can't just say, I'll love my brothers better tomorrow and then get up and act just the same way again. That's not living my baptism. Our baptism is a real thing. And so we have to have real, concrete, measurable, specific, timely goals put in place. And that's what meditation is for in the tradition, what mental prayer is for, is for having those conversations with our king and making those resolutions and hoping that he and our brothers will hold us accountable. So what will our mental prayer look like as baptized Christians and as religious? How will we live our baptisms tomorrow? What will our resolutions be? What kinds of goals are we going to set with God in this relationship so that we can be part of his family? Yeah.